Hello to our Real Talk people. Welcome to Real Talk, HR podcast, where we bring the best of human resources to your organization. My name is Maria Rodriguez, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Michelle Elder. And on today's podcast, we are going to address a topic that is so important right now. Do you know what that is, Michelle? It is working from home. Guess where I'm at right now? Home? Home working. Hmm, Interesting. I know. I know. Me too. You know, it's funny. Everybody is talking about this subject right now. Actually, it's not funny. It's a little overwhelming because literally everyone that has an opinion is telling you how to work from home. So I bet our listeners are wondering what makes this particular podcast different than everything else they've seen or heard, why should they even pay attention? Yeah, well, I think they should really pay attention because obviously this is going to be our new norm for a while, right? So, and this is what businesses are challenged with. There's so many things going on right now. And, you know, I I think maybe we should really start by sharing our own personal experiences as not only an employer or manager, but also as the employee being in a work from home situation. That's a good idea. When I was able to start working from home, oh, 2004, it was the coolest job I'd ever had in my life. Before then, I I had a schedule. There was a start time, a stop time. I had to be around other people. It was very structured. You had to be in a specific building, in a specific place. And I loved the idea of working from home. I feel like in the beginning part of my career, I became ridiculously efficient and productive at getting stuff done. I am by nature, I'm an introvert. So I like a lot of time to process things. I like a lot of quiet focus time. And I never got that, never got that in in my job before then. But... What I learned was sometimes a good thing can become a bad thing. I actually, when I changed jobs, also moved into a job that was work from home, did a lot of virtual or uh, virtual classroom training, a lot of conference calls, a lot of project work. And after a while, I actually found myself literally raising up every morning when the alarm clock went off, like literally sitting up in the bed, reaching on the side of my bed to grab my laptop, (laughs) putting it on a cool top pillow so it wasn't sitting on my lap. And I would usually work from home past all of my morning meetings. And I might get up at noon or get out of the bed, if you will, at noon and start to pull my day together. Uh, before I before I left, but it was like it became this cycle. And I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine, Bobby, who better listen to this podcast and give us some really good ratings. <laughs> I was talking to Bobby, and I told her that she was like, "Holy shit! It is time for you to get an office job." And within a few months, I actually did get a job that required me to go to the office a number of days a week my current job until COVID-19 required that I be in the office every day of the week. So now I'm trying to get used to this work from home thing again after almost two years. How's that that going for you? 
Well, if we're being honest, you can't see this, but I have three-day unwashed hair. I can say that because lots of people say they didn't wash their hair every day. So I don't feel guilty about that. But when you have short layered hair, what happens to that hair is it looks like, well, basically you're a hot mess. So what I do is wear a baseball cap <laughs> to cover because the brush doesn't even help if I don't wash it. I am wearing makeup. I have on a business professional shirt and all day long I was wearing a jacket over this, this shirt. But I am in pajamas and bedroom slippers below the waist. Hmm, so the waist up is all that matters. It is all that matters. <laughs> I mean, isn't it? <laughs> well, it depends on what, what topic you're talking about. But yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> hey, so we're going to talk about me a little bit more later because I know you have some thoughts. But tell me about your work from home experience. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I think just in general, I've spent uh, most of my career working from offices. When uh, I was working in uh, training and development, I did work from home and it was magical. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Um, Yes, I too was the culprit in bed with a pillow on my lap at some point, multitasking, watching some TV and having, you know, some of my pieces for training and development completed on my lap, you know, getting my inspiration, I think it is from the television. I think that's what it is, really. (laughs) Look, I was just going to say, for those of you who are just learning how to work from home, the pillow is critical. Otherwise, your legs actually get kind of burnt and hot. So the pillow in the lap thing is critical. Oh, yeah. For sure. So, you know, I did that after, you know, for for a couple of years. And then I went back into the office for the last couple of years, I would say. Um, And it's interesting because now with COVID, I have the opportunity to work from home because our office is quote unquote closed. But I still sneak in every day because I miss my dual monitor. Shut the... You can't get a dual monitor at home? I can, but, you know, ergonomics, you know, I've been in a couple of car wrecks. So like having the monitors eye level and having the proper chair and desk, like that's important to me. There's like a lot of like, lot of work, lot of work. It is. So I find myself more challenged nowadays, actually trying to work from home. And I find myself actually sneaking back into the office, even though we closed it. So it's very interesting. (laughs) The governor is going to kick you out of the state. Yeah, he might. He might kick me out. Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting. And, you know, we talked a little bit about this on our first podcast, on our introduction podcast, that COVID-19, it's taken what more progressive companies had already started trying And it's made it important everywhere. And, you know, it's interesting. My job is I'm in the manufacturing industry um, for my day job. Sorry about your luck. (laughs) It's actually a pretty cool, like what we do is super cool. We'll talk about it one day (laughs) on one podcast that um, what we do is cool. But um, sorry about my luck. It is it is totally 1990s. So like if you're if you're having flashbacks to like, big hair bands with makeup and dark eyeliner on your on your eyes 
if you're thinking about big bangs, that's pretty much the way it feels in a lot of manufacturing companies, right? Is the idea of work from home is just ridiculous. Yeah, I would say so. So in manufacturing, it's very, um, it's a very foreign concept for people to work from home, right? But in talking to my boss, who has regular interactions with our CEO, he actually used the phrase, we haven't skipped a beat. Because like most companies in manufacturing, we're still going to, just by the nature of what we do, people are still going to be required to come on site. The only way the manufacturing process will continue. And we are an essential business. So uh, we did continue to work through this. We did, however, put in lots of safety precautions. And that was, if you could do your job remotely, you were not allowed to come to the facility. We wanted you to stay away. Like every single person noticed we didn't miss a beat. People did their jobs. They just did it from their houses and their beds and their cool top pillows instead of from the office. Yeah. I mean, have you guys seen any issues with, you know, people working from home? Because I can say like, I, like I mentioned, right. I used to love working from home and now for me, it's a struggle because it becomes a distraction. And, you know, right now I think it's 10 times worse because people are all stuck together with each other. So what does that really look like for people that are actually struggling and it's not necessarily amazing? Right. And, you know, I think you see that with a lot of people. You know, one of the things I'm going to call this the I love you, but not really that much tip when it comes to people working from home from their families. You know, one of the things uh, that you're seeing, you can't explain to small children that, you know, mom and dad are home, but you can't talk to us. And kids don't understand that. It's easy when you're physically separated. But when you're in the same space, um, that's not the case. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, whether it's your pets, those people demand attention. It also, it is different than the interruptions that you get at work. Because these are the people that you got to live with for the rest of your life. Like, you can't just be nasty. You can't just close your door and say, no way because you're going to have to have dinner with them. You're going to have to have breakfast. With and for the record, I would do that if I was busy at work. I see the way you're looking at me right now like I'm evil. Because guys, even though this is a podcast, we do it on video so we can react to each other's facial expressions. And right now, as I'm saying at work, I would close the door, tell people to leave me alone. She's giving me a look like I'm evil. That's what I do. In fact, in a previous job, I used to just put in the headphones. I didn't even turn on the music. I just put them in and I'd let people stand at the end of my cubicle for like three minutes. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't see you there. Do you know how many people actually do that? I would hope it's the whole introverted world. <laughs> like, I'm all about giving you guys some tips to keep people out of your face. But it is harder when it's your kids, right? Or your children or your spouse your significant other. So how do you do that? What's, what are some things that you have found effective? 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, the earbud situation, I've seen actually people go into uh, their vehicles, like their cars, and like they're parked right in the driveway. They turn on their Wi-Fi and they're just like, oh, I'm going to work for my car. I actually got a picture from one of my friends with his laptop on his dashboard. It's very interesting. But it is one of those situations like, hmm, it's one of those tips like, I love you, but maybe not this much, right? So... You know, I I think, you know, there's another tip, right? Give yourself a fucking break and talk about the fact that you will not always get it right or feel motivated, right, to your spouse, to your significant others, but you won't necessarily get it right. You won't necessarily, you know, get all the pieces right when you're trying to work from home. There's going to be noises in the background. There's going to be naked babies running around or dogs barking, your life is going to be a little unbalanced at first. And again, this is like, Mm -hmm. I know like we're recording this COVID time and you might be listening to this three years from now and there's no COVID and you're like, what the hell is going on in this podcast? But, you know, even if you're not in COVID, I think these are all tips for you to kind of just think through that you're just not always going to get working from home right. And sometimes that's okay. You just got to push through it. You know, I think one of the best tips that I've given, and I actually comment on virtually everything in social media, where they're talking about how to manage someone who's working from home. I'm full of advice for those people. But one of the things that I always tell people is have a conversation up front with your boss. You and your boss need to start talking about the quality of your work the ability to meet deadlines and not necessarily the times for which you are punching the clock. So for those of you, if you're listening to this after COVID-19 and you didn't get a history lesson, kids didn't get to go to school, children, kids, whatever you want to call them. So parents had to quickly learn how to homeschool. And for most schools, that meant that your child had to sign on to a Zoom session at a very specific time of day on very specific days of the week. And those usually happen during kind of those banker hours, time of the day, like nine to five or nine to three, like school times. And so your ability to be on a two-hour conference call from work when you've got two kids, they're doing back-to-back Zoom classes, you've got to have a discussion about the complexities that this situation has caused. Focus on the quality of your work. Focus on your deadlines. Don't focus on the time of day necessarily. As a side note, I don't have children, but I have tons of small nieces and nephews. And I was able to be around my sister who has three small grandchildren between kindergarten, second grade, and fourth grade. Oh, wow. And so not old enough to self-guide their homework or their, their lessons. She had to be there for them. And in a lot of cases, she had to be there to help them in the beginning to get used to Zoom. It was an ordeal. Like it's one child after, and they, they all have individual tablets. So they didn't have to share. They didn't have to borrow. But she had to literally go from kid to kid every couple of hours every day. and then. They had to do the actual work on paper. So it wasn't even just, 
I think the, the older kid, the fourth grade, had to be in class three times a week for an hour each time. The younger child only had to come for show and tell because it's kindergarten. They had a show and tell day on Thursdays. So it was just one hour a week. But that's just them talking to each other about the lesson. They still had to go get the, download the documents. They had to do the actual work. They had to record it. They had to email it back into the teachers. So it wasn't just seven hours of Zoom calls a week. It was 30 hours of school. So you're saying there are actually people out there that not only had to multitask during the day to get their children educated, but then they also had to then when they were done trying to multitask that they had to then do homework with their children? Right. That's insane. It is insane. And they still had to attend their conference calls. They still had to work on projects. You still have things in your house that you usually do when you leave work for the day, like laundry or dishes or dinner or breakfast. Oh, yeah. And then there's lunch because you know those kids, they eat, right? So it really just, first of all, teachers should be paid a whole hell of a lot more more money for putting up with our kids or my nieces and nephews in this case, (laughs) because it is a struggle. But in addition to that, you just, you've got to give yourself some flexibility. You also had, I think in this particular situation, and for some states, this will go on for another 30 days or more, depending on you know when your particular state starts re-entry. I think you just have to embrace the fact that work and life have to bleed into one another and that that's the only way it's going to work. So even without children, I would get up in the morning, put on a load of clothes. And then when I had a break after a call or after working on a project, I transfer them to the dryer. So by trying to mix them all at times that it worked based on the need of the task, it helped me to keep going even when things were a struggle. Yeah, I think planning breaks is important because you could literally, if you don't have kids or distractions, you could literally go hours without, you know, eating, without getting a break, restroom breaks, anything. Next thing you know, it's like nine o'clock and you're like, did did I brush my teeth today? Like, what? <laughs> For the record, smarty pants, I did in fact brush my teeth. <laughs> but I did not eat all day today. I did not eat until nine o'clock tonight. Yeah, you can just completely lose track of time so quickly. Yep. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird how long... You can avoid going to the restroom when there are other things to distract you. But like when you're sitting in the movie theater and even though you've had all that salty popcorn and you're like, surely I can make it two hours or on an airplane where you're like, I don't have to use the airplane restrooms. It's a two hour flight and you can't make it. You can't. You're like 30 minutes into Have you ever noticed those people on a plane where like before you even take off, The flight attendants are like, we can't leave until you sit down, right? They can't even make it from the gate (laughs) to take off before needing to go to the restroom. Yet when you're distracted by, by work and calls and projects and children, you can, uh, it's amazing how long you can go. So true. Yeah. So you've got to plan for your breaks. 
I would say for me, I used to do this at work because I had a boss at a different job that if there was a hole in my calendar, there was an open spot in my calendar, she would plug it in with stuff for her. It did not matter what time. Like I thought normal people knew lunch usually happens around the 11 to 1-ish time of the day. But without fail, she would be like an 11 to 2 o'clock conference call. And so I learned a long time ago to schedule my downtime or my quality time so that I could have a break. It may be something you need to consider doing if you're working from home. And if you have a boss that will fill up your calendar, if you don't do it. Oh, yeah, sometimes. Oh, I'm that person. So I just assume people block out their own time. So if I see an open spot, either 11 to noon or noon to one, and the other the other time is blocked, I'm assuming you've blocked it for your break. So I'm taking the other half of that lunch hour between 11 to one. So yeah, I don't... I'm judging you right now. <laughs> I'm judging you. Don't judge me. You you just are giving a tip right now to block your calendar for breaks and lunches. And I assume everybody else does that as well. So I'm going to take what is open. You say 11 to 1. So if you have 11 to 12 blocked, I'm taking your 12 to 1 spots. Oh, so people block your break. <laughs> the lesson here. You know, another one is let's call it Put your damn pants on. Mm, Michelle, put your damn pants on. Yeah, I know. This is a hard one. And actually, it kind of links into what I'm going to call the downward spiral. I need a better name than that. I just don't have one. It's late. I haven't had enough wine and I'm not feeling creative. (laughs) So we're going to call it the downward spiral, right? So it starts with you saying, you know what? I'll do my hair. I'll wear a nice shirt. It's a video conference. They can't see my pants anyway. That's where it starts. And then the next thing you know, you're not fixing your hair and you're wearing a baseball cap. And then the next thing you know, you're saying that your video camera is broken and you can't come on webcam. And then the next thing you know, you're sitting in your bed in your pajamas all day long and you're getting nothing done and you're starting to lose motivation. Are you talking like every person in America right now? No, I'm talking about myself. Oh. (laughs) Because you know how many people I've literally, through the last couple of weeks, experienced this all of this situation with? (laughs) Really? Yes. So on my team at work, we actually, we have a rule because it it seems it was, um, I work with a a guy named Pete. He was on my side this time. I went on webcam and I was like, I miss your faces. And Pete came on webcam and he was like, I miss your faces. And then our entire team felt pressured. Like it was all peer pressure. So everyone had to come on camera. And we actually found as a group that we regretted we didn't start it sooner. Because there is a difference when you can see people's facial reactions. I mean, body language is the single biggest way messages are received. The tone of voice is, you know, it's high and words are the least, but body language is how the receiver of a message 
interprets that message. I do a segment on that, you know, for all you listeners on the call right now, listen in maybe, you know, to a couple hundred podcasts in and you might hear us talk a little bit about this a little bit more. It's important. It is. It is definitely going to get revisited. We, w- we wish we'd have done it faster. So I would say don't get started because you're going to do one thing and that one slip is going to make the next thing okay. And it's going to make the next thing okay. And the next thing you know, you have sat in bed all day long. You stink and you haven't had anything to eat except for the stale glass of water sitting on your nightstand. <laughs> we all have one of those. <laughs> Don't do it. I think last tip for those of you that are working from home and Marie, I know you did some research around this. So I might you know, give you a, a soft transfer on this one. Yeah. Uh, transfer that ball over to you on this one. But not only can you find yourself not being productive when you start that downward spiral, but while I'm an introvert and being alone is fine for me at times, even for introverts, this becomes emotionally exhausting. It's not enough that we have the fear that is associated with this particular situation. Like that alone makes this emotionally stressful for people. But now you've literally isolated some folks in homes by themselves. They don't have children or a spouse or pets. And they're sitting at home 24 hours a day for some people, probably working on two, maybe two and a half months. Yeah. You know, I think there's probably so many different aspects you can talk about with that. And, you know, just looking at it from a pandemic standpoint, or when you're forced into working from home, let's say you get hired on into a company and you're working from home and you don't get to see or interact with team members. Even if you are an introvert uh, like myself or Michelle, it's a great opportunity for us to not necessarily have to you know, interact when or, or have those force interactions on a day-to-day. But there are areas of opportunities from a psychological and a mental standpoint where it is really important. How your company handles this is going to be huge. And during a pandemic, I know we've done several things like from an HR perspe- perspective, I've had my teams reach out to individuals and just check in and say, hey, how are you doing? And it's just a random, you know, each each one of my direct reports touches base with five different people a week in the organization over the last couple of couple of weeks now, just saying hi and making sure they're mentally and physically well. But, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a multitude of pieces there for us to consider when people are working from home, especially if it's something new for somebody and they're not used to it. And that is, you know, you have to have routine, right? So we're talking about all these tips from working from home. Routine is the most crucial piece to having mental stability, right? Because you need to have your routine, you need to get up, you need to brush your teeth, whatever, you know, take a shower at some point in the day, put your breaks in there, you know, and at some point get in your, you know, daily exercise or daily TV show or something to break up the monotony or have a FaceTime chat. Um, You know, I think we've had in our organization, you know, um, virtual happy hours. So I, I actually waited gosh, I think it was eight weeks till I had the first one with my team. And they thought it was the best thing ever. 
and would love to do it again. And I was really surprised because I just thought, you know, bringing everybody together on a Friday, they're probably going to hate me and be like, what's going on? But, you know, I, I think maybe in normal times, they probably would because they'd be like, uh, I'm going out or I'm going out to dinner or I'm going out with friends. But at this time, everybody's kind of locked in with each other. So they actually really liked it. But I think, um, you know, from a mental stability standpoint, I think that's uh, this is a really critical part on how you really interact based on your routine, who you reach out to. Again, during COVID, it's tough. You know, I'm seeing in certain countries, more people are struggling with this that are introverted or just in isolation than than others. And so, you know, you have to have a point of mental clarity. And I tell people, you know, especially during times where you're kind of forced to be stuck in, even if you're doing a staycation, take some time off or, you know, block your calendar for something. But yeah, a lot of my uh, a lot of my team members that have been struggling, they've been taking three day weekends. And I'm like, hey, as long as you get your work done and whatever amount of time you do, and you let me know whatever needs to be picked up, that's fine. So, you know, there, there's there's going to be some pieces that are really critical there for those in the call listening, whether you're, you know, a people leader or you're an employee in an organization, you know, being able to balance that because, you know, you have to get up and do something different. You have to break up the the monotony of being at home in your in your own thoughts. And, you know, you could be like me where... Yeah, I live by myself. Yeah, I'm isolated and introverted, but I get up, I have a routine every day. Uh, you know, I, I keep my mind busy. And, you know, I found myself at the beginning of this pandemic working about 18 hour days. And now I've kind of brought it down a couple of hours, but it keeps my mind so busy that I don't necessarily think so much about the isolation. And I don't, it, it's not healthy, you know, but I think that's what people could find themselves spiraling into. For sure. And I don't know if you guys heard that call out, but. She's totally declined her hours by solid, I mean, like at least two hours. She's totally down to 16 hours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She sure is. But that, you know, that's a great tip. And so a lot of my passion revolves around leadership and the responsibility of leadership, right? And that tip sort of segues us into the second part of this podcast, which is what can we do as managers or as the organization, depending on what seat you actually sit in. If you're making um, organizational decisions, there's some stuff for you. If you are just the manager of people that have to be at home, uh, there's absolutely some stuff to, for you. Now, um, Marie, you know this about me because we've worked together for so long, uh, but I believe when it comes to success, that the employee and the manager plays a role in that success. But, but my opinion, and I will stand by it forever, is that all roads lead to the manager. Diane Scarpa, I heard that in one of her classes once when we were talking to a group of leaders. And I remember they challenged her and they were like, all roads don't lead. Some employees are just really bad. And she's like, yeah. And as the manager, you could fix that situation by removing them from the organization and replacing them with an employee that is good. And so that was a way of saying, you know, kind of all roads your job as managers is a big deal. And whether that's checking in on your employees who you know are out there and, and miss interaction with others or are alone. But there's some other things that you need to pay attention to as well. One of them I would say is feedback can't stop. It can't stop. It is so much easier 
to give feedback face-to-face. I get it. And the reason that I get it is because I fell into, into this cycle in the beginning until, until I had someone pointed out to me directly. And they said, have you talked to them about it? And I was like, no, I was hoping we'd be back in the office next week. But the truth is, we don't know if next week's going to happen. And it's my responsibility as the leader to give that employee the opportunity to improve behavior, whether that's a conversation on the phone or face-to-face. But I got to admit it, it stinks. It stinks to give somebody that kind of feedback on the phone. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know how companies are managing this right now, because I think, you know, if you can avoid doing it over the phone, you can do a video chat like this. At least it seems somewhat more personable than, you know, picking up a phone call. But I I know, yeah, that's leaders are struggling with this um, in every organization or, you know, you can't you might even be still in the office but your employee will be, you know, at their desk and you're in your office because you have to social distance and you have to pick up the phone or you have to shout at them from your office or whatever you're doing. (laughs) And it's not ideal, but you can't stop giving feedback, even if it's, you know, constructive for them, you know, either way for positive or opportunistic. We need to be able to do that because you can't stop giving people the information that they need to be successful. And I think as a new people leader, exploring the avenue or even newly into a role of managing remotely, you may even be in an office, but have a couple of people you're managing remotely. I think you struggle with how you balance the two in many times and how you coach everybody. And so I think that's, Michelle, I think you hit it right right on the penny. Like it's really important for you to give that feedback, no matter how difficult it is. I think it's also, it's easy in these times, like in a time such such as this, um, it's really easy to give people breaks on everything and not just the things that you should. So like earlier, we talked about the fact that you've got to give your people a break on knowing whether you know, they have to juggle homeschooling their children, knowing that maybe they're caring for someone who is sick and now they're with that person every day. You've got to, you've got to kind of give some people break there. Where you can't give someone a break is it's going back to that quality of work and the timeliness of the projects. You, know, you might find that you're getting a project the night before and the deadlines, you know, the next morning, but that was when they could be online was the night before. And this is also, it's a hard one personally, because I recently missed a couple of deadlines, uh, which is, it is atypical for me. I'm actually really good at bailing on my family and missing deadlines with my family. But I've always been on top of things at work and I haven't recently. And it's easy, it's easy for people to go, oh, but it's chaotic, COVID-19. I get it, I get it. But you you really have to start deciding which ones are the ones that deserve that latitude or that grace, and which ones are the ones that, you know, quality has still got to be there and timeliness still has to be there. Yeah, I agree. 
you know, so the, uh, coaching is huge, obviously, you, making sure you're checking on your people. We've talked a little bit about that. You know, I've, uh, you know, I've asked all of our HR to check on our people. I think I have some managers. You just need to make sure you check on your people as well, because I think mental and physical clarity is the most important aspect of being successful in your position. And so, you know, there's a multitude of pieces that you need to consider as a leader in an organization to be successful, especially when you're managing remotely. I think checking in, you can fall off as a leader. You can also fall off to the dark side on this one as well, commonly referred to as micromanaging. There are a series of reasons that leaders micromanage And if you have worked for a micromanager, I'd encourage you to sit back and kind of ask yourself, where do they kind of fit in this category? Because there is a reason. A lot of times when someone is new to a position or to certain responsibilities, what they'll do is grab on really tight to as much as possible because you feel like as a new leader or as a new manager, if your hands are on everything, you're likely to keep it under control. A lot of times you'll see people micromanage when they don't actually know the answers. So it it could be new to role, but it could just be that I don't know all the answers to what I'm asking you to do. So if I make you explain every single step you take and when you take it, then I have the confidence that it's happening. Another one of those places is when you've never led someone remotely they are so far out of your visual environment that you start to just latch in with everything. I have actually had friends tell me that their bosses schedule Zoom meetings at the beginning of the day and the end of the day to sort of monitor that they're working. What? Their schedule. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. So here's my first advice. And Again, leaders, I'm here for you. I'm always going to blame you. I'm always going to say all roads lead to you. But here's the first thing that I would tell you that you've got to consider here. If your employee has successfully met deadlines and quality of work when they were in the same building as you, you do not get to treat them different when they're at home unless they show you they can't do those things. So if somebody did it at work, assume they're going to do it at home because they're still at work, right? And if something were to happen that gets people off track, pause and check in. And check in does not always mean a crazy long lecture. It doesn't mean berating someone. Usually what checking in means is you just calling and saying, I need you to tell me what's happening. You know, hey, this was due at six and you haven't gotten it here. What's going on? And it just becomes a conversation. It isn't about trying to make people feel guilty because guilt doesn't fix the missed deadlines, right? Action fixes the deadline. So let's keep it focused. Um, But don't assume it's a problem until it becomes a problem. Yeah, but then you have all those micromanaging leaders looking at social media with the memes of a robot moving a mouse for somebody so they still show active on their messenger status. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. There are all those funny things. I mean, you know, with Skype, 
because I have Skype on my phone, I'm green all the time. It doesn't matter if I'm on my laptop or not. Um, people who are going to work the system are probably the same people who were working the system in the office too. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and we, but we all know who those people were. They were the people that schedule like random meetings or spend 15 minutes at the water cooler instead of everybody else's three minutes at the cooler. They're the ones that quickly minimize the screen when you walk into the room because they were surfing Facebook. <laughs> I didn't want to get into it. Facebook is so yesterday. They were on the Insta. Yeah. All, or is it called the gram? IG. It's called the IG. Yeah. Would that make me cool if I called it the IG? I don't know. It probably wouldn't. That's okay. <laughs> they want and they had to minimize it. See so you can. <laughs> I'm too cool for words. I'm just telling <laughs> you. Anyway, the tip is check yourself. Um, don't treat your employees like they don't know what they're doing until they show you that they need your help doing their job. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I think from an employee perspective, that's huge. From a leader perspective, it's huge. And as an organization, I think, you know, it's up to our responsibility to make sure we support here by giving all of our leaders and our team members or employees the tools and uh, to be successful, right? What they need, whether it's supplies, it's laptops, it's a monitor. I saw people carrying their monitors out or sending me emails during this whole process or giving them printers or scanners. Do you know how many people actually message me and ask me to scan and or print and scan something for them because they're not in an office and they can't do it? So we didn't think about a lot of the pieces. Yeah, but you know, like even get, you're right, getting them the supplies is important. If you know someone's in a need of scanner, I mean, Amazon was still delivering, get people a scanner. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with things like Genius Scan around where you could take your phone and snap a photo and it turns into a PDF, I don't know. We actually had to do a lot of loaner laptops. The only people that were issued laptops were people that commuted from site to site. Most of our employees were site-specific, so they never had to commute. A desktop was fine for them. So I would say probably the first two weeks when we knew that we were going to eventually start isolating in South Carolina because other states had started, we immediately started issuing loaner laptops so people could still work from home. They should just be permanent, but whatever. Look at your policies. I think as an organization, that's, a, that's another big one. Increasing communication around those policies, I think is critical. So with an attendance policy or uh, attendance occurrences or violations, we put them on pause for a minute until, until the governor allowed us to get to a more normal state of business. We decided that that wasn't a fair expectation. And so we changed the policy. We made sure that people knew the timing or the updates around it. And then as the situation changed, we changed policies again and then recommunicated it. So I think that from an organizational perspective, getting people what they need, but then readdressing your policies is critical. Okay. So there you have it, guys. Here's the truth. You're going to screw it up. There are going to be days where you do not put on pants all day long. And as long as you, you keep the webcam above the waist, you're probably going to be okay. We don't know 
how long this is going to last. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, at this point, the experts don't even know if it's a one and done situation or if this is something that, that we're going to revisit. The, the reality is we've now put ourselves in a position in society where work from home is a real thing. I know there are many states that have been really clear that even in the fall or the next school year, schools will not reopen the same way they were open this year. And so, you know, even if we go into the summer, come out of the summer, and we COVID-19 is behind us, we may still have some restrictions on what's happening with schools. So the thing that you need to do is start looking at how you're handling this. Start looking at what is right. Pay attention to when your kids are screaming for lunch. Probably time that you should block off on your calendar so that Maria doesn't block it off for you. You want to make sure that you take a look at the role you play in the company. And like Maria mentioned, as leaders, reach out to the people within your team, whether it is to celebrate their hard work, or they're doing well, or just check on them and make sure that emotionally they're okay, that they're moving forward. We are going to create two pretty incredible tools that you will be able to download on our website. One will be a series of tips for the employee who is working from home for the first time. And the other will be a series of tips for managers who are now managing a remote workforce. So we encourage you to go to Real. It is spelled R-E-L, Real Talent, one word, dot com, and go to our resource page and download the Working From Home or the What the F, I am now working from home and this is crazy resources. Awesome. So stay tuned for our next uh, podcast, which launches every Wednesday here on whatever station you're choosing to listen to us to. I want to thank my peer, Michelle Elder, for really bringing the truth to this conversation. Join us uh, during the next podcast so we can talk through more challenges that we're facing in our day-to-day businesses as both employees and employers. Stay tuned, listeners. Thanks. Bye-bye.